You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. Tonight we're talking about the 1995 anime classic, Ghost in the Shell. Our dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something is actually strange. The middle children of history, man. No purpose or place. We have no great war. No great depression. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Brian. With me tonight, Mr. Paul Williams. What's up, man? We haven't talked to any anime since we uh since we did uh Ninja Scroll. Um, we got a lot of good yeah. feedback on that. Um, and people requested some more anime, so here we go. This was our uh, second choice out there. Ghost in the Shell. This is a this is a fairly well regarded anime film. This has got a pretty big cult following. A lot of people consider this to be one of the pinnacle of the anime world like uh you say what's your favorite anime give me top five everyone kind of expects ghost in the shell to be in there if not number two maybe number three but somewhere in that order yeah it was probably the first or second anime i saw just blew me away it was uh it, it seemed so advanced you know everything's beautifully designed with it and and the cities and everything else and it's just so it's just so futuristic and I think I saw this movie in probably about 97, 96, 97. You saw this before The Matrix then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, see, this is one... I did not find out about this movie until after The Matrix. Apparently, a lot of people had seen it before, yeah. you know, and when I was going to high school. Um, I do remember it being mentioned. But I really never oh, had yeah. a desire to see it until after The Matrix came out. And everyone was like, well, you know, if you like The Matrix, maybe you should check this out because you got a lot of inspiration from this movie. Yeah, The Matrix, The Matrix definitely did take a lot and pay homage in its own way to Ghost in the Shell. I don't know. The Matrix opened up my eyes a little bit to anime. It's, you know, it opened up a couple other... Japanese movies and um, you know some other Japanese you know styles of cinema that I hadn't been exposed to. I mean, The Matrix was a great film. Yeah, I mean it was. Oh yeah, but, when it came out, oh my you know, god, yeah. But when I when I first saw Ghost and Shell, man, it like the whole technology, you know, the whole aspect of of jacking into a computer system and cyborgs and AI and 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 it's crazy to think about it because man. You know, society is almost going this way. You know, we're kind of starting to see that that stuff may be possible now. I think it's interesting that you bring that up. I mean, like, you know, you see people with their iPhones all the time. And now technology has, like, invaded into our, like, every second of our life. Where I remember growing up as oh, yeah. a kid, like, you know, I, we didn't have the Internet. No, 
And when this movie was made, was you know, no the internet Facebook. was very, very young too. I mean, this film came out in '95. Yeah, there was no Facebook. Yeah, there was no Facebook, no Twitter, no YouTube. There were very little you know. blogs. Period. Like, I mean, yeah. When did when did very AOL little. start? You know, and that was that. I remember that being like a huge thing in like '97 or I don't know, man. I just remember yeah. AOL. Yeah, everybody had their like, oh, hey man, look at my email address. It's. Uh, <laughs> So and so, you know what I mean? It's just like, hey, let, me, yeah. let me give you my AOL email. It's super advanced and awesome. How people use technology and how fast we get information. We are, you know, we are seeing parallels yeah. right now in our very in our time right now, the present. Are we going to get to a stage where we start having like our fingers open up and other little fingers come out where we can touch the keyboard and hit every keystroke at once? I don't know. You know, maybe. This movie was made, what, like 20, 21 years ago? Yeah. And then and, and the manga, the manga was actually out before the movie came out because the movie is actually based on the manga. Now, have you read the manga? No, no, I've never read the manga. Ghost in the Shell. Now, we should get into this real quick, the, all the different versions and everything like that. Now, have you seen <clears throat> the upgraded uh, 2.0 cut? No, I haven't. I did, re- I did watch that. Man, uh-huh. I didn't really like it that much, dude. I thought the I thought the added CGI stuff was kind of uh, I don't know. I didn't care much for it. It was not my cup of tea. I th- I thought it was kind of bad. I haven't seen CGI one or anything like that, but uh, I did watch Ghost and Souls Standalone Complex, which basically Standalone Complex was a was a TV adaptation of the manga, you know, which was kind of also the movie. So all the characters you got from the manga and the movie were in standalone complex. And that was a pretty good series. I haven't really seen any of the other ones. I've seen the second Ghost in the Shell movie, Innocence, which is very different. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a very different movie. But yeah, I remember liking that. I haven't seen that in a while, but that, that wasn't too bad. I enjoyed it. I have not seen any of the series, though. I did watch one episode, I think like... They have some of the Arise, I think it's called Ghost in the Shell Arise, I forget which episode they had up, but there's like three parts that they had on Netflix, and I watched, I think they watched the third one because they didn't have the first two up. It, from what it looked like to me, it was like some kind of prequel, a prequel series to this first Ghost in the Shell movie is what it looked like to me. Because the the main character from Ghost in the Shell had not, she had not merged with the Puppet Master, none of that had happened yet, so... I guess it had to have been a prequel. I'm not 100% sure. I, just, I did see that just that one episode, like I said. I said, Standalone Complex was really good, though. I, I really, really enjoyed that a lot. That, uh, and that had two seasons, kind of, right? Yeah, it had two seasons. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that Standalone Complex occurred after the movie. Like, the storyline was like a continuation, but it was after the movie. Yeah, because I watched it... Uh, I watched it kind of regularly when it came on uh, when it used to come on Cartoon Network. I, I you know, kind of wanted to get it on on DVD or Blu-ray. I just haven't been across it. All right, so we're talking about the 1995 uh, cut of this film. Uh, did you watch this dubbed or subbed? I have this weird thing that I do, man. I usually, first time around, I'll watch it English dub. And then the second time around, I'll watch the English dub, but I'll have the Japanese, well, I have the subtitles on. They'll be in English subtitles. The difference is in 
the actual English subtitles and what you're hearing in English. There are actually a lot of um, F-bombs that are dropped that aren't even dropped in the Japanese version of it. You like to watch it once in English and just enjoy it, and then you like to watch it again and see how bad the subtitles are or how bad the English dub is. Well, no, not really. Well, no, not to see how bad it is, but just to see... Because, like, for example, when they when they do, like, the subtitles, the English subtitles, they're actually basing that on the actual Japanese script in English. But what they'll do is, because the, the mouth movement is different for the animation, they'll add in different words or change words around. But there are, sometimes they're basically saying the same thing. But other times, they do say totally different things. Well, they, they, I mean, there's even different versions. I know a lot of fans got really mad when this came out on Blu-ray. Um, there was a 2014 Blu-ray release of this, Ghost in the Shell. Uh, and it was it's the original 1995 cut of the film. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were mad that the, the English dub was just so inaccurate. And some people complained that the subtitles were even inaccurate. Um, you know, I mean, I, dude, I watched the, I watched the Blu-ray because Best Buy released a, a still book you can get right now. I think at Best Buy for like it's like seven ninety nine or like ten ninety nine, something like that. It's pretty cheap. So you, you uh-huh. can pick that up, and then you know the DVD, um, which both of us have, right? You know, that, and that has some extra features on it. That's yeah. pretty cool. But a lot of people prefer the DVD, which man, I think it's kind of hard to find now, isn't it? Yeah, it is getting harder to find. Well, at least that that issue of the DVD. Um, but I mean, you know, dude, yeah. I mean. Really, for the most part, like all the differences, like nothing ruined the story for me yeah, ever no. once. In between, like yeah. you know, I watched this film three times just to get like I was like, I was like, man, dude, is are these things so different? And I didn't see anything that was like really. It was just like really subtle things. Like, did you notice um, in the Japanese? There's this really weird. They bring it up twice in the Japanese. Uh, I know once in the very beginning of the movie, where the like the first time you see the major, the main character. And she's sitting on the ledge, and she mentioned something like it's a it's a menstruation joke. Yeah, they don't actually put that in the English version, <laughs> or the, the the English what you're hearing is different from what you're reading. Yeah, no, they completely drop that. I, I did want to say like we brought up some of the things with like the special the features on the DVD. Man, this this is so mm. long ago in 1995. I like how they brought up uh, the Avid, which is a non-linear non-linear editing system it's like you know one of the first computerized editing pieces of software it's still used today um it's still got a huge foothold on the market and um i i thought it was really cool that they were it's like this brand new machine the whole reason they were using this digital editing machine was because they were scanning stills of traditional cell animation and they were also doing cgi and they were combining all these elements so it does give the film like a unique kind of look. I, I thought the animation, the animation still ha- it still holds up in my book, dude. What about the CGI? I still think I think, you know, I think the DVD quality for the for the animation and the CGI, I think it looks really good, and I think it's actually very seamless, dude. They do a good job of uh, transitioning. I I wouldn't I don't know say seamless, but you know it's. They do reasons for cutting to that style, you know, that that's inside their computer head. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, I'm saying if you really sit there and, you know, eyeball it after you've seen the movie a million times, yeah, you can definitely pick it out. But I mean, the first the first watching it through, you really can't tell 
you know, like weird it changes from which to which. All right, so I guess the 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 next big thing out of yes, this is a real classic, big famous anime. The other thing is, a lot of people lump this and Akira together, and and they say that the plot is really hard to follow. It's hard to understand. It's hard to watch. It's hard to comprehend. I don't know. I don't think that's true. I wouldn't say that. I think I I think I got a pretty good understanding of Akira the first time I saw it. And I think my understanding of Akira is pretty much the same as it is now. Just as with Ghost in the Shell, like I understood what was happening. There there are some things that really aren't explained, but you know, you just kinda gotta just kinda figure figure it out yourself, I guess, at that point in time. That's up to the viewer's interpretation. The actual story, like A to B, what is happening in the plot, what you're seeing. I, man, I didn't think any of that stuff was really hard to follow. I thought that was pretty simple to follow. Some it of the little... I, I didn't think it was difficult at all. Yeah, some of the little political angles on, on, on things within the different sections in the movie and some of the motivations for why people are doing certain things. Some of that's a little fuzzy, but it, it doesn't really matter because it's, you know, really at the end of the day, all these governments and everything are really just kind of... They're just obstacles yep. for the main character or our protagonist and our antagonist to, to clash against before they can ever even meet. The original antagonist of the movie, who you think is the original antagonist, and that shifts later in the film. Yeah, it definitely does. It shifts quite a bit later in the film. I guess we talked about everything that there is, uh, Ghost in the Shell, but we have not talked about the fact that this is going to be get a giant, big Hollywood remake, live action. I believe Paramount's doing it. The director is uh, Rupert Sanders, the guy that directed uh, Snow White's and the Huntsman, or Snow White and the Huntsman. He's directing this. So to back up here a little bit, uh, a lot of people are criticizing the film of whitewashing. That Hollywood is taking this Japanese property and this Japanese character. Now, Paramount is hot. Now, they have hired a lot of um, Asian actors, a lot of Asian American actors, um, and a lot of Japanese and Beat Takashi is in the cast. But they got a lot of flack for hiring Scarlett Johansson as the lead. I kind of see their point. I understand this. I do understand this. It is a little bit of a problem. Like right now we have an opportunity to give an Asian American, a Japanese actress, you know, a shot in a big Hollywood studio film. Asian women are probably extremely, I mean, I would say they're underrepresented in film. We have a chance to right this wrong in history. On one hand, you know, yeah, you are casting a, a white American actress to play it. But this is also Hollywood, you know. You made the point in the conversation you and I were having earlier about, about Bollywood, you know. They've taken American films and completely used, you know, Indian actresses, actors and actresses to play roles of Americans. And, I mean, I don't really think to a point it, it matters. I mean, I can understand the argument, and I can, I can totally see where it, it would bother some people and being a fan of anime and and loving the genre like i do i mean i could definitely see it but at the same time the character in the anime is an android and i don't know if she has blue eyes because she's an android or blue eyes because 
whatever reason, but the character does have blue eyes. So that doesn't necessarily insinuate that she is actually Japanese. You know the story takes place somewhere in Asia, obviously. Primarily, probably Japan, because it is a Japanese movie. But Japanese anime has been known to put different, you know, races of other characters. You take um, the the other android, the the blonde-headed android, uh, Bato, I think his name is. You take him. I mean, that's obviously would be a Caucasian character. What is the major? What is Bato? You know what, dude? I never thought about their race until I, I until I, I saw people accusing this of whitewashing. I guess I kind of always assumed that they were Japanese, but when I went back and watched it for this podcast, I was like, I really can't tell what race they're supposed to be drawn. I mean, I guess they're—I would say I default that they're Japanese because their names are Japanese. Yeah, I don't know. It's Japanese animation, you know. It's anime, so I just assume. I don't know. Is that a yeah. racist assumption? I don't know, man. You know. Well, I don't think it is. I mean, you assume that. I mean, but there's obviously, though. I mean, but you take the differences in the characters in Ghost in the Show. I mean, it's definitely you have the guys who are driving the trash truck. They don't look anything like the major does, you know, or some of the other characters. I mean, like, you know, the guy who's heading Section Nine. Yeah, he he looks Asian, you know. But there are certain characters in there that do have Asian characteristics or Japanese characteristics. We're not talking about these other characters, okay? They're, they're doing these other characters correct, okay? The issue is Scarlett Johansson, the main character. Okay, it's, not, it's not all these other I'm characters, saying, though. That her character, like her actual ethnicity, is very ambiguous. No, I agree with that. It is. I mean, given that, I do think they should give... I, I am disappointed that they we didn't get somebody like Rinko Kikuchi from uh, Babel or um, and Pacific Rim to come in here and and have this role and get to be able to play this. I say that, but I you know at the same time, like I can't, I understand it, man. Like I I kind of want to say shame on everybody because like this kind of stuff has happened before. Look, nobody criticized when yeah. they took uh you know The Departed as a remake of Infernal Affairs. That's a complete Asian movie, and they cast all white guys in that. I I didn't hear a complaint yeah. about that. I didn't hear a complaint when uh, Spike Lee uh, sits and remakes Old Boy and cast a white guy and a white girl, and they're you know where's the Asians? Like the, even the bad guy is not the Asian. Like yeah. they they hire a white dude for yeah. that too, and it's just like nobody's speaking up then. Nobody's saying anything yeah. then, and it's like now we're gonna make a big deal about it. And it's like, well, come on, guys, what do you, I want? I kind of want to say like, what do we? What do we expect to happen when we don't say anything? Like now, all of exactly. a sudden, it's a problem. Yeah, I mean, and that's a very, very good point you're making, man. Because like, all those are actual movies. All those are actually based on Asian characters. Like you know, with Ghost in the Shell, once again, some of these characters, yeah, you could definitely identify them as being as being Japanese or Asian, but some of them you can't. And I don't necessarily but think that's a again, bad like, thing, though, man. I mean, it's is it no, a bad thing no. to take something from a different culture, and if you're remaking it and put it into your culture? Every bit of art is viewed on how you interpret it. And if you are going to remake a piece of artwork, if you want to put your culture into it or whatever, that's fine. You know, I don't see where that's a big problem, but at the same time, I can also understand and see the other side of that argument. 
I know, right? Because I kind of also hate the fact that, yeah, Scarlett Johansson. Like, I understand why Scarlett Johansson's here, right? She's bankable. She's a Hollywood actress. She did Lucy, very similar kind of movie, right? Uh, she was in her. She did yeah. the voiceover for that. You know, uh, they were talking Oscar mm-hmm. stuff when that movie came out. I mean, it. I understand it. It's a safe bet. You know, I get it. And it's it's a shame we didn't see somebody like. Like Rinko Kikuchi, be able to come in and take this. And, or, you know, shit, just some other, you know, Japanese actress or just an Asian-American actress that we've just never seen before to blow us away. Yeah, I, that, would, that would be nice to see. I mean, I it would be. I don't know where I stand on any of this, man. It's a subject that, you know, you know for some people, it, it's going to be kind of touchy. For the most part, everybody that's really mad about Scarlett Johansson being cast, I would say... Guys, let's let's just slow down just a little bit here, okay? Like, I understand the initial reaction is to be really mad. The movie is called Ghost in the Shell. Ghost meaning spirit, shell meaning your physical body, okay? So once you put that into play, and we're going to go in and we're going to talk about a little bit about this movie. If you've seen it, please stay with us, and we're going to, man, we're going to go into it. But I think this movie could say a lot of things about race. And if this movie is set in Japan, like I think the filmmakers have said they're gonna it's gonna be set in Japan, this remake, I think that could they could be doing some very interesting things by saying that this is a white woman. This character chose to be a white woman, you know, because in the anime, the character these people are androids, right? I mean their their entire body is artificial. You can do some really interesting things and say some really powerful things about why they chose these certain roles in society. We could say some very interesting things about race and how people perceive certain things. So I don't really want to judge it until I see a little bit more and see a trailer. I kind of want to reserve all my judgment until I have more information, I guess is the big thing. But I do understand why everybody's mad. You know, it's not it's it's not one of those things where you're like, look, look, Internet, you suck. Calm down. I'm 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 there with you. But at the same time, I don't want to stifle creativity because my my closed-minded thinking doesn't understand what the filmmakers are doing or what the screenwriter is putting in here in subtext or what the director is saying by casting Scarlett Johansson. You know, and I know that on the surface it looks like Hollywood's just like, yeah, let's get the chick from Lucy and her and you know, I mean she she was in the Avengers, she's she's Black Widow, sure, let's do it. She's going to make a fortune. I get it. I understand all that. But Let's see what happens. Basically, at the end of the day, I don't care what color they are. I don't care what race they are. As long as it shows respect to the original story, I'll judge it then. I'll judge it when I actually see it, you know. Yeah, no one in Hollywood's going to hear what I'm going to get ready to say, but please, for the fans, just make a good damn ghost in the show movie yeah I, if anything i think that's what everybody should be pissed about is the guy that's doing that did snow white and the huntsman's fucking directing the movie like if you want to be mad <laughs> be fucking mad at that i mean that that's what you should be worried about personally let's keep an open mind let's see what they do i mean i understand why hollywood would i understand why they did what they did and you know hey maybe there's some artistic awesome creativity that's going into this and it's really well thought out 
Because who knows, at the yep. end of the movie, she could be Japanese because what if her body gets destroyed and, you know, she comes back and it, now we have a Japanese actress. She can become a man or whatever. Oh, and I, you know, I did read, I don't even know if it's worth mentioning because I really, I think it's just gossip, but I think it's Paramount that's doing this new Ghost in the Shell movie. Dude, I think that they were saying that they were looking at uh, digitally enhancing uh, Scarlett Johansson to look Asian. Now, that would not be cool. I would I would have a problem with that if they did that. No. Yeah, I, I would like that. No. no, 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 no. No, I would, yeah. Now, that I would have a problem with. Um, so, who knows? Yes. Hopefully, they do something with this story-wise. If they don't... You know, it, it's going to be hard to defend, but you know, again, that's why that's why we wait until the movie comes out before we go crazy. And I mean, we we will probably once this movie comes out. I know I'll see it. Know you'll see it. We'll, we'll definitely see give it. our opinions on it in time. Yeah, let's not prejudge. Don't hate, appreciate. All right, guys. Uh, so I think with that, we are going to play the trailer for Ghost in the Shell. This beautiful nineteen. 95 anime classic and when we come back we are going to spoil this film from top to bottom so if you haven't seen it please go check it out right now if you have hang with us ghost in the shell is the next generation of animated feature entertainment the story centers around a life form that evolves from the internet seeking asylum in a cybernetic human host The semi-cybernetic team sent to counter this incredible situation are forced to question the meaning of their own lives while engaged in a non-stop, action-packed fight against an unseen enemy. Police! Everyone, hit the ground! All your memories about your wife and your daughter are false and are more like a dream. With production values exceeding the legendary Akira and a gripping storyline, this picture represents the leading edge in the new animated entertainment genre and marks a milestone in the future of feature-length animated filmmaking for young adult audiences. Ghost in the Shell. Released theatrically worldwide, fall 1995. All right, welcome back. That was the trailer for Ghost in the Shell. A stunning work of spectacle fiction, the first truly adult animation film to reach a level of literary and visual excellence. So says James Cameron. You got somebody like James Cameron giving you props. Yeah, you done done something that look quite impressive. I mean, you can see you can see why James Cameron kind of likes this. I mean, like it. There's some homages paid in you know to Terminator in this. And the fact that it's artificial intelligence, you know, it's cyborgs. I mean, other than that, you know, there's really not a lot of comparison. Well, there's some comparisons in terms of like uh, designs and like the the cyborg bodies, and you know what, dude? I don't know, man. The cyborg body, though, in in that entrance, in that in that beginning sequence, you know, when when the credits are rolling, where it actually it almost shows the creation of the major. If you look, there, there's muscle. You know, that isn't like hydraulics and pistons and shit. That's actual 
muscle that's binding this this metal bone. It's like your bones are actually metal, but she actually has human muscle. I don't know the way they presented it. It's like no part of her is biological at all. Her brain's not even hers. It's it's uh it's a piece of hardware, right? Like what part of her is actually her? Like didn't they make the whole well, they, thing they from scratch? You know, like she actually has human muscle. But that's but not her physical muscle, like, like her body though is gone. Like her original body is completely destroyed. This is like yeah, synthetic. Yeah, this yeah. is synthetic muscle though that's grown in a yeah. lab though, right? Yeah, yeah. All of her is manufactured. Yep, that's pretty much it. She is a absolute cyborg. You you mentioned this this credit sequence. The other credits come up. Yeah. It's it's the green code from the Matrix. It's like the Matrix code. Well, not only that, but uh, in the very beginning, when when the major is on on the roof of the building, and like the way she turns and jumps off, and the Trinity from the Matrix. Yeah, so I guess we we talked about the uh, the the credit sequence. That's not the first thing. There's this whole assassination no. sequence in the, yeah. in the beginning. And I thought it was really cool. The little, uh, the suitcase, the suitcase, little briefcase Uzis. Oh, yeah, that the bodyguards have. The way the Uzis just broke out of the briefcase and, you know, they just, just like started shooting at the police at random. Yeah, like nobody, nobody and tells them to shoot. Did. They're just like, oh, it's cops. Yeah. Your main character, Major Kyogosa, is, uh, one of the main troops in Section 9. What the hell was in those damn bullets for, that she was using in that gun, dude? All I the ammunition was, in this movie I is was, insanely over overpowered. You know, she busts through that glass and she just assassinates that dude. And she fucking shoots him with that gun, man. And and the bullet just like basically blows the entire top half of his body completely off. She's diving off the edge of the building. She's like doing this like super James Bond style. She's diving off the oh, yeah. edge of the building, suspended on this rope, and she – I guess she stops herself and shoots through this window, blows this dude's forehead up, says something cool, and she almost looks like she's naked because she's wearing this extremely, like, skin-tight outfit that's – you know, it's it's skin-colored mm-hmm. too. All the guys, like, everybody else in the room, like, comes and looks out the window, and then she's like, oh, I'm going to turn invisible like the Predator. That actual camouflage, the cam, the same camouflage she that she's using actually comes up to play kind of an interesting role later on. Multiple people use it, right? It's like uh, the villains have this technology as well. Yeah, yeah. This is not a police only tech. Like this stuff, kind of like just exists out in the world. And I can see, like, okay, first time you watch this film, this scene is very confusing it's setting up like this whole guy is trying to get uh diplomatic immunity so he can pass through customs to some other territory or some other country basically he was going to be arrested he was supposed to be arrested and detained but because of another section in the department he got basically got military status it's section six right that they wanted to know about this project about his involvement with Project uh, 2501, right? Well, what ends up being 2501? Yeah, I don't know if you get uh, – I don't know if you if you get the title of it in this beginning scene or not. But well, you, well, it's you called, get it well, it's, it's, well, they're calling it the Puppet Master. 
basically is what they're calling it. They're calling it the Puppet Master at this point in time. And you have no idea what that is yet. You just know that the Puppet Master is the obvious villain. (laughs) Yeah, so she takes this dude out, and then we talked about the opening credit sequence. The opening credit stuff ends where it kind of like shows her being made, and then after that, she wakes up in her apartment, and it's this very this very long scene where she's like waking up and then she's going, I guess to work was she yeah. dreaming yeah. of her creation. Well, that would that lead one to think that maybe her fall off the roof messed her up really bad. No, maybe? I don't think so. I mean, do androids dream is that her ghost in her machine, question. like her up, her uploaded consciousness into this completely synthetic body. Another thing about this movie, strong comparison to another movie that we have all seen, the four plugs that are in the back of her neck. Like, she can basically connect into any kind of computer system or any kind of internet system. Yeah, it is four. It's like this little square or rectangle pattern, like on the back of her neck. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of plug their, they lean their head back and they just kind of plug in. Yeah. It's, It's kind of weird. It's not as creepy and as like... I don't know. They do it in Matrix. There's something about like plugging that big spike thing into the brain that just oh ugh. yeah, that actually did look painful. But what they were doing is basically it looked like four fucking basically it looked like four fucking you know plugs that you would use off your earbuds <laughs> that plug into the back of your neck. You know, it yeah. wasn't so much in the brain when they plugged in. It was yeah, more like, like kind of like at the neck area, and I don't know something. It's just less creepy there. Uh, there is like a weird government elevator scene between um, the head of Section 9. We get introduced to that guy. And the whole assassination that happened in the beginning, we find out that he was ordered to do that. And that was his yep. agent. By the, the higher-ups. That character is one of those characters where they really never come right out and say who he is. But at the same time... You almost like can interpret that this guy is like a higher up, like higher than the leader of Section Nine. This is where the movie actually starts to get into high gear. The secretary, uh, official, she gets hacked. This is, I mean, I think this is extremely awesome. Uh, just I like yeah. the idea of this. Once your brain is artificial, somebody can hack your brain and make you do things. And then that's when you run across the, the trash truck cats. These are the guys that are actually hacking her. You do find out that the, the one trash truck driver, he had a messy divorce with his wife and his daughter and all this. Yeah. He so thinks he's going to lose his guy, kid. Yeah. So this guy gave him this program to hack into the system to, you know, change things so he could get his kid back. Basically. Yes. Some duty met at a bar, right? Yeah, some guy he met at a bar. He's like, yeah, I met this guy at a bar. Like, yeah, you can get your daughter back. This guy felt sorry yeah. for me, dude. And the mm-hmm. audience, we figure out that he's actually the guy that's hacking. Yeah, he's hacking the government official, right? The garbage man guy, he figures out that the Section 9 guys are after him. So he starts uh, trying to tell the guy. He doesn't even realize, though, that he's leading the cops straight to him. And the cops think yeah. that this garbage guy is actually leading him to the puppet master. I guess yeah. we haven't explained this at this time, but we have learned that the puppet master is this serial hacker, serial brain hacker. He's, he's hacking into 
people's brains and you know controlling them and stuff hence the name puppet master but they had like no idea of the reason why or any of the motives to these crimes zero and this is also the second time we get to see this uh camouflage used again because the, the guy has like a shootout with him and like even 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 the bots character he he makes a remark like that guy's got he said they're like ap rounds or something we think it's the puppet master you know i that's yeah. what the audience thinks. That's what the police think, or these Section 9 guys. I keep calling them the police, but these Section 9 agents, the minute we run into him, he sprays things, he wrecks vehicles, and this is a big chase. And, yeah, oh, he, yeah. he busts the camouflage out. And we start seeing yeah. different aspects of this town. Like I really enjoy everything that they do through their production design from where this chase starts – to where this chase ends, like all the different stages that you see. Oh yeah, and how how uh, you start seeing like more graffiti and more signs posted and and stuff like that. And I really like a lot of the views when uh, the major is on the roof of the buildings. So much visual information about this city is portrayed through this chase, like how it starts out. It goes from bigger areas, and then when it starts to go on foot in those crowded areas where he's wearing that cloak. And uh, that yeah, like when they're going guy, through the little market and stuff, chasing them through the the market. It starts going into this slum area, and then they start going down yeah, into the yeah, water, yeah. and then it's got like kind of this Venice kind and of that theme. Fucking fight scene, dude. Did you notice? Like right after that, it it goes into this wreckage. Cars are under earth, and like they oh, even yeah, mention right, something right later. Before they get to. Right before they get to the ocean. Yes, yeah, exactly. Like right, yeah, right before the final confrontation, and they mentioned something later in the movie about like some great flood or something like that. I I forget what it is, or maybe it's like a great wave. It basically it was, a, from what I understand, it was kind of like a typhoon, something like that. That wiped the part of the city out. It yeah. like flooded the whole city. I love that shot when he. I think it's right before. Right when he before he gets to the beach when he kind of walks through those buildings, it's like all you see beside him is like all these signs and posters and stuff. And he pops the clip out of the gun. You see him try to count the rounds and stuff that he has left in the gun. I can I I definitely see where this is one section where like Ghost in the Shell definitely took some. They're definitely paying a little homage to Blade Runner here. I think. Yeah, I could maybe I could maybe see that just a little bit, man. I don't think they do it throughout the entire movie, but I think this is definitely one spot. Yeah. I think there's a couple other spots as well, but uh, I could I could definitely see that. I mean, I don't I don't see how you couldn't pay a little bit of respect to Blade Runner. Yeah. You know, I mean, just just for the story, yeah. you know. Some of the the skylines, like the skylines they draw of this city, man, are actually really beautiful pieces of artwork. I mean, they're very detailed, very intricate, and it, it, it's absolutely gorgeous. Just the the fact that they're taking this in a computer and we're cha they're changing a lot of perspectives. If you're looking at a lot of this, you know there is depth of field in these uh, shots, and they're able to do that through these through blending digital animation with their cellular animation. So so she confronts our our would be pu puppet master. Um, the major does. And she's in her, her predator outfit, you know, completely camouflaged. And, you know, his camouflage at this point has been completely disabled, and it's just a hood. 
when like he he tries to go to fight her back. Basically, her when her hands dig into his leg, like when he goes to kick her, you can see like the pants leg twist, and like you can almost see like her fingers digging into his leg. You know that when I, like I said, man, watching that and seeing that, you know, the effort of detail and and kind of realism that was put into that. I really like that one shot. I think the tech it really sells the technology. It's it's wide and the puppet master guy, the supposed puppet master guy, he gets his butt kicked. Uh and it's a wide shot and you can't really see her but you can see her shadow. And you can still see her ripple yeah. from where she is in the water. I think that oh, yeah, I, man, yeah. I thought that was brilliant, dude. I I that uh, something about that just gave me goosebumps. Yeah, it's animated, but it makes the tech feel kind of real, and I, I do appreciate that. And the guy that we think is the puppet master, he's like, man, I'm not going to tell you guys shit. I'm not telling you anything. Yeah. And the, yeah, and the Section 9 guys are just like, oh, what's, what are you going to tell me? I mean, look, we'll, we'll play the audio, and, and here it is. Got him, huh? Well, the breach in the barrel really screwed up. That's what happens when you use HV bullets in one of these things. Oh, yeah. It's no use arresting me! I'm not talking to any goddamn cops! Talk? And just what are you gonna talk about? You don't even know your own name, you stupid dickhead! Huh? Can you remember your mother's name or what she looks like? Or how about where you were born? Don't you have any happy childhood memories? Do you even know who you are? Ghost-hacked humans are so pathetic, it's a shame. And this poor bastard's been hacked pretty badly. This guy, his entire personality has been completely wiped out. He has no idea who he is, what his name is. I I, I mean, to not to not know who you are. Oh, yeah, and, and I mean, you can go, you know, further with that, into the, with the uh, garbage, the dude in the garbage truck. You know, like, that guy had, he had no wife. He had no daughter. He had been living by himself in the same apartment for like 10 years. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, you say that, but then, dude, that's a heartbreaking fucking scene. Because after that, they cut to that dude and he's being interrogated. Like, he was even talking to his uh, garbage uh, truck buddy. He was just like, hey, look, man, look, uh, here we go. Like, this is this is me and my family. And they're like, hey, look at that picture now. Who do you see? And it's just it's just him and some fucking dog. That's a heartbreaking scene, dude. I mean, that's like the to realize that like is somebody somebody put that in your brain. Somebody made brain, memories yeah. that are not yours. Like they changed who and you are because they changed your that. memories. Yeah, we're not talking about like you know hacking your Facebook account here. We're talking about hacking your essence, the essence of who you are, your your soul, your entity. What what makes you what you are. Yeah, dude, it gives uh, identity theft right now. Like, uh, ooh, that's kind of scary. What's that gonna? What's identity yeah. theft gonna be in like I don't know, fifty, a hundred years from now? Is that gonna be? I mean, like, you know, you could, you could, you could really see like in the in the emotion that they animated on his face. Like, he's he's as sure as like the sky's blue and grass is green that he had a wife and and he's got a daughter. He was just literally a pawn. Or a puppet. Her second in command. That, that, I mean, that guy. He even he even goes out of his way to like extremely like talk down 
to this guy, this the the first guy that he thinks is the mm-hmm. puppet master, this first suspect. He's just like, oh my god, look at this. That's so pathetic. It's a puppet mm-hmm. without a ghost. That's really harsh. You're just saying just because this guy got hacked, he's no longer a person to you. He's no longer part of humanity. Yeah, I really, really don't get that at all. Well, no, it's it's part of the whole line that they bring up throughout the entire movie, right? Like my whole thing is I'm I'm completely machine, and everything in my body is machine, completely manufactured. And you're just uploading some conscious. Am am I even? Can I even call myself human anymore? Exactly, because at that point in time, you're more machine than you actually are human. Because I think it's, I think it's very interesting because they don't, they don't call it uh, a soul; they call it a ghost. You know, like uh, what do we think of a ghost? It's like something that's something that's it, it died and it's passed on it's into another. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. already, it's already gone on to some other, some other world. I find that very interesting because we're talking about uploading a consciousness. So it's like we're immediately assuming that some kind of death and birth has already happened here. It's a ghost. One of the best scenes in this movie, that the diving sequence with the major. And as she's coming up, you know, she kind of like mirrors herself. When she comes when she comes out of that water, man, and like you can actually see like the raindrops still on her goggles and stuff. That's that's fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, and that's another thing I'm, I want to propose a question to you. I want to propose a question to you about this scene, though. If she's a cyborg, why does she need the uh, breathing apparatus to go underneath the water and shit? Oh, no, 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 no. It's not a breathing apparatus. It's, uh, it's a buoyancy uh, flotation device because if she didn't have that, her body weighs so much because it's artificial that it would sink to the bottom and oh, she would never would get sink. up. Yeah, the yeah, they didn't call them breeders. They called them something like floaters or something because, like, I remember laughing about, like, you know, ha, ah, it's a floater. Ha. Ah. Okay, yes, oh, I'm yeah. I'm a little child. Yeah, Fuck yeah. me. Sue me. I got you. I got you. It's a floater. Yeah. Going back to what I was saying, when what? she's using the, the floater and she comes up, she she gets on the boat with uh, Bato. Like, that conversation, man, that they have is is really interesting. Because you actually, at this point in time in the movie, you f- you start to find out a lot more about them and a lot more about what they actually are. Oh, dude, I, I, I think it's immediately interesting the fact that when they get on the boat, why is he turning away from the major? Why is that a thing? It's a synthetic ah, body. Know, man. It's a synthetic body. And I think it's revealed in this scene right here that she picked a female body. It was a choice. And, you know, really, I guess it shouldn't be anything. I guess you could pick male, female. You know, it shouldn't be anything at all. But yeah. it comes up as a, a point of criticism because the male bodies are stronger. What does yeah, that say of... about things, man? Why are the male bodies yeah, strong? If you're making artificial bodies, why would you make a one version better than the other? What are, what are they saying? But not being, but not being, but no, not being like... Not trying to sound sexist or anything when I say this, like men typically are stronger than women, and they're trying to go with the most like lifelike androids that they possibly can. But if you're making something that's better, they can do things better with these artificial implants, they're, and because they have one guy on their squad that doesn't have any artificial um, augmentations well, or anything. Regular. Yeah, he was just a yeah, he was just a regular police officer that got switched to their uh switched to their unit. 
Well, no, I mean, he didn't just get randomly switched. She there's a scene where she says like she wanted she, him. She, yeah, she requested him. Yeah, she requested him to the to section nine. And there's a really it's a really good speech about diversity, man, because she's saying that like, you know, if you just have one thing in your machine, your machine is broken. You have to have different points of view. You have to have different ideas in your team in order to make your team effective. Yep, somebody who's actually still flesh and bone, regular old human. Although he does still have uh, some implants in his in his like spine or something. He's got those spinal matrix implants. I wonder if that's like a Section 9 requirement. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's mandatory that you get the four plugs, baby. You got to get them. You got to get jacked into the net. But I do think it is interesting you that know. Bato looks away. Like when she undresses, they make a, a huge point of it that he looks away. But doesn't Bato make the comment right there of, uh, about um, how he's still more human or he's more human than he is machine and how she is more machine than she is human? This the need of any because she even makes the point of like reproduction and, and reproducing and stuff like that. You know, it's kind of weird to see that kind of like that kind of get brought up also in that in that conversation. Maybe I'm so robot and I've just I'm just a copied version of myself, and this is just a digital version of me, and I'm not I'm not really me. Yeah, I don't know. This is just binary me. They're they're having their philosophical debate. And what it means to be a cyborg. All of a sudden, a voice comes from the heavens, and obviously both of our characters hear it that are on the boat. They both hear it. It's yeah. extremely obvious they hear it. I was always under the interpretation of that it was actually the puppet master speaking through speaking through the major. I mean, some may agree, some may disagree, but from what I understood and what I interpreted of it, he was just basically trying to make himself aware to her, you know, because there was some kind of clandestine thing for them to be bonded and join as one and create a new, totally new ghost. He became aware, or I guess it, actually, I should say. It's not he. It speaks in a, in a male, yeah. even if you watch it in the Japanese, it's a male Japanese voice. Yeah, you know, right? Even though it's in a female body by the end of the movie. Okay, so after this scene... This is one of those scenes where you get the digital montage. It's like everything's like, look at the digital landscape here. Look at the majors going through, I guess, what is like downtown Venice, Japan or something like after this flood or whatever natural disaster yeah, happened. That's what, it, that's what it almost, it's like, it's like the city's lowlands. <laughs> It's a yeah. really bizarre feel. It's like a, it's such a weird... A, a really future... It's like a futuristic industrial Japanese Venice. <laughs> it, it does work. It is extremely interesting. Uh, and I guess this is where we start to get back on our, our main plot of, of the film. There is a cyborg. I guess at this point, it's just a complete robot, right? That gets made and manufactured and run yeah. over by a, a truck. And Section 9 ends up with it. You basically find out then that this is, in fact, the Puppet Master. That the Puppet Master had managed to infiltrate one of the systems, upload his consciousness into one of the one of the uh, cyborgs, 
And they're really worried about this too. Like all of Section Nine is really yeah. worried because this plant is actually. I mean, this is where all the Section Nine officers get all their upgrades from and all their um, all their Everything, artificial yeah. augmentation done. Is the name of the company Megatron or something like that? Is the name of the company? Is it actually called Megatron? Get the fuck out of here! No, it's not. I didn't even notice that. <laughs> Are you serious? It might be. I, I think it is. I didn't notice that at all, dude. That's hilarious if it is. Oh, my God. I could be fucking completely wrong. I could be totally wrong. I could be totally wrong. Autobots roll out. <laughs> I think the company is actually called, like, Megatronics or something like that. As Section 6 comes in, and they, 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 you know, they bring this guy with them, who we later find out is an American scientist who is, like, uh, the top researcher of, like, like, AI or something like that. And he comes in with his real fucking his crazy ass keyboard robot fingers. That, yeah, the crazy little disjoining robot fingers. Oh, they they detach and they form other fingers, and those fingers detach and they form other fingers, and you can hit like eighty keys at once. It's so oh man, that is something about that. I mean, I mean it gets under my skin. That dude's really good with the, the ladies, though. Why? Why? Why did you have to take it there, dude? <laughs> Why'd you have to take it there? Because that's what I do. It did get under my skin. It it was like a ugh, just body horror. It's kind of crazy because I think at this point in time of the movie, Section Six is like extremely, extremely concerned with what they're calling now is twenty five. Was it twenty five oh one? Twenty five oh one. Yeah, I believe twenty five oh one. You know, viewing it, you know, you start to think, well. You know, those guys seem like they're up to something. You know, they kind of, they kind of seem like they're they're up to no good. They're like the untrustable section. <laughs> this female robot body uh, comes alive, and it tells the chief guys of Section Nine and Section Six that it is actually a artificial intelligence that was born on the internet uh, that started as a program collecting information it wants to be yeah it wants to be recognized as a uh as a life form and it wants asylum that's that's it just wants to it just wants to exist because this happens at section nine so section six ends up sneaking some guys in to steal the puppet master aka this self-aware ai yeah they have a little shootout and they get away you know, that car chase sequence right there, man, is, is really awesome, though. Yeah, well, I mean, they used you know, the, uh, the camouflage predator suits tracker. again, right? Yeah, they shot the trackers into their uh, into the back of their car. And they've been making jokes about that guy's gun the entire movie. Yeah, the, the revolver. The yeah. old revolver that he yeah, keeps using. Yeah, the guys and were using a revolver, and they're like, why don't you use a fucking machine gun? Yeah, use an automatic. Why are you still using that? Yeah, there's this whole scene in there earlier in the movie where the major is kind of fussing at him and, you know, kind of bitching at him about why is he using, why you use that old revolver. And the old revolver puts the tracker on the car that's actually carrying the AI 2501. And see, that's where I think it might get a little confusing for people too, you know, because they, they stop calling it the puppet master and they start calling it 2501. You find out that he was started as a government project to spy on other on these other governments, and this one yep. section of the government wants to collect him. So 
the other governments don't know that they were spying on him. They either want to get him back, this program, the Puppet Master, uh, or 2501, or they want to destroy it. Back under their control. Yeah, and to destroy it. Man, that's when we, you know, we we do get in these good chases, and we start getting into some of the, um, you start getting into some of the computer generated um, animation here. Yeah, you can kind of tell they are a little CGI. I'd like it when though, though, when they're yeah. tracking the sh- the fucking cars around and stuff, you know. And then I'd like how they yeah. even do the switch later on, and they even know they do the switch. They stop. Uh, the major follows one, and Botso follows the other. And I, yeah, Botso goes after the one guys, and the major follows the other one. That Botso, like he does, catch that other car, and that is a real bloody showdown. Yeah. But he realizes immediately that that you know that that was the that was the fake car. He does not fuck around with those guys either. Like when he busts out his hand oh, cannon, no, he, he just lays waste. The guy's spinal column is coming out of his chest, and that's like all that's left after one shot. Just like that gun that uh, the major's using in the beginning when she assassinates that dude. All this left is a piece of spine and like legs. <laughs> The fifty cal rounds and handguns in the future. Well, you know what? You know it's kind of really funny because I watched the uh, I watched that that new uh, anime movie uh, Psychopaths, and that that movie's in like 2016. You know that movie came out like this year, either 2015 or 2016, and that movie even kind of like reminds me some of Ghost in the Shell. You know, so you can definitely tell the Ghost in the Shell still has a big impact. I like that shot too, man, where she's on the helicopter and they're they're like approaching the building, and when the helicopter drops her off, you know, she opens the doors. The, the design of that building, man, like a glass roof and everything, I really I really like that a lot. Yeah, because shit's gonna go down there, dude. The the major walks in there. There is a tank. It's got the camouflage on, and this is <laughs> the scene like, in the Matrix, right? It's almost like. Uh, yeah, Neo versus the Smiths. It's actually that scene in the Matrix when they go in there and Neo tries to go save Morpheus. Yeah, when he goes, yeah. yeah and they check their yeah. bags in and it goes off through the alarm. And he just takes out all those uh, agents and down in goes, that lobby. Yeah, you see the columns and all the bullet holes. All of that is taken from Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, she is unloading on this tank, and the tank is firing at her, and she's getting covered behind these pillars. And you see these pillars, and they're falling apart the same way as they do in the Matrix. It's the exact same way. And I mean, she does, dude. She puts up a good fight against the tank. Oh, she puts up a great fight against the tank. Like, she even gets on top of the tank. If it wasn't for her... And rips her fucking arm off. <laughs> if she hadn't chose that weak female body... That they made. <laughs> why did they? Oh, make, no. Why did they make that weak female? If she had a male body, if she had picked that male body, she'd she, have had a male body. She'd have been nice and strong. She could have strong on that bastard. You know what's even? You know what's even worse is that uh, Bato comes in the the male with the big gun, and like right when you think she's dead, he comes in and saves her. And she's like, "Where'd you get that gun?" So about I had a special maid or. They had they had made guns or something and nobody could use them or whatever. <laughs> and he just happened to keep one because he liked it. But she was pulling on the, the top of the tank, man, the animation of, like, her ripping that android body apart. And But see, that also kind of says another thing, man, like, the actual will for her to do that. 
but strong enough for her to like literally rip her own limbs apart. She's trying to get the puppet master and merge with it or project uh, 2501 or this advanced. Well, at this point in time, I don't think at this point in time, she doesn't know about the merger or anything. She's just doing her job. No, she wants to merge with it. She's constantly wanted to say she's wants she wants to go in deep and she wants to see what's in there. Yeah, she, yeah, she, yeah, you're right. She did. She brought it, she brought it up. She actually brought it up multiple times during the movie. Yeah, right there. He ends up, he actually ends up taking the puppet master, the entity of the puppet master ends up kind of taking almost control of the major's body. Having this AI tell you that, I mean, it wants to give birth because the only thing it can't do is reproduce. And she's talking yeah. about like, oh, well, you know, you can do this, this, and that, and you can put this yourself here. Why don't you copy your conscious here? And, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I could copy myself, but I, that's that's not that's not evolving to the next state. I can't – I'm not merging myself with another being and creating myself and evolving into this next plane of existence. And she asks a lot of good questions like, you know, it seems like you're getting a lot of good benefit. You know, why should I do this? And why yeah. – you know, if I merge with you, like, yeah, you know, you're you're becoming a new life form. That's awesome. You're getting what you want. But what happens to me and my personality? Yeah, even even well, even after that, man, the very end, like it still sounds like her. It still like has mannerisms of the major. It seems like it's more the major than it actually is twenty five oh one at that point in time. Well, you say that just because it's the same, like even in the Japanese, it's the same Japanese actress. You know, in the American dub, it's the same. Uh, it's the same actress there too. Uh, yeah. I mean, you take that away. It's, you would think, it's not the yeah, same body. That, no, it's not. So it's like, it's not yeah, the same well, mannerisms. that's explaining to them. You know, because she gets her fucking, you know, the major gets her fucking head blown off by the section fucking six assholes. Yeah, the section six snipers, like, well, no, they, they destroy the puppet master's face. And oh, yeah. But they, then by then, all that was the puppet master had already transferred into, into the major. She still got her head blown off, but her, yes, I guess the actual did. head survived. And Batsu's Batsu was trying to cover it, and his hand got blown off. You know, this dude's probably got like you know an Arnold Schwarzenegger fucking forearm. Blows his arm off at like the elbow. You know. Yeah, I will. You know, I liked how they neutered him right in the beginning of the scene when the puppet master, like he was trying to disconnect the puppet master from. The major, you know, uh, kind of early mm-hmm. when they got connected, and the puppet master just kind of took him over as well. He was really only just moderating the situation. That's all he was doing. But yeah, he still got taken control of just because of that. I mean, that, that that's his power. And like, there's even yeah. a point where like the the puppet master's like, "Oh, you question my power," and even blocks out like the snipers, like helicopter, computer assists. You know, like. Like all the computer stuff gets blocked out in the helicopter. Those Section Six guys really are some corrupt assholes. Uh, after her sniper around decapitation, uh, it fades to black, you know, and then she wakes up and she's in a room with Bato, and Bato has managed to transfer her ghost into another android's body, but it's the android body of a little girl. 
she kind of just gets up and they have exchange of a few words. He tells her to take a car. It's pretty much it. That's the end of the ghost in the show. Well, I mean, she goes out there and there's kind of like, I don't know, there's kind of this implied like new life form going out into the world. Yeah, like you almost you almost get this implication like she's starting a new life. Like she's starting a new life over. Whether it's good for humanity or not. You'll never know because they never made an actual sequel to the movie. Here she is. She's out into the world. She goes out into the world. Boom. Credits. Paul, give me your final thoughts. What do you think of Ghost in the Shell? I absolutely love it. I recommend doing anyone that hasn't seen it, or you shouldn't be listening to this podcast if you haven't seen it anyway. But if you have, good job. If you haven't, do yourself a serious, serious favor and treat yourself to this beautifully designed, action-packed, absolutely wonderful anime that will, you know, make you think about technology. Love this movie. And I hope we get to do some more anime here soon for you guys. And that's about it, dude. I know anime is not everybody's thing. I know it's um, it's a genre that's a little hard to get into. Let's admit it. It's different from Western movies. I understand that. It's a little something that's different. Just give it a chance. Um, if you don't like it the first time, watch it again. There's a lot here. I'm not only just in terms of like sci-fi ideas, but just in philosophical ideas. What does it mean to be human? If you're a fan of video games, you play um, Deus Ex Machina. Here you go. You need to watch this movie. You know, um, I think that game pulled a lot from this film. I think this film pulled a lot from Blade Runner. I think um, The Matrix pulled a lot from this film. I mean, this is just one of those sci-fi films that if you are a fan of science fiction you have got to see you have got to see this movie you owe it to yourself i think this has a lot to say i think this is very revel right now today with people and our cell phones and how connected we are with technology paul man dude when are we going to talk about akira we will be doing akira soon if you have any if you have any other uh anime movies suggestions we would love to hear them all right so that's going to do it for us tonight guys you've been listening to the movie crew podcast our email address is the movie crew at gmail.com that's the movie crew crew is spelled c-r-e-w-e that's right extra e at the end at gmail.com you guys can listen to us on itunes stitcher google play overplay or overcast whatever it's called or wherever you listen to your podcast or your rss feeds all that wonderful stuff we're there or we're in there, those places that I just listed. You guys can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our Twitter handles at MovieCrewPod. So we're closing out the show tonight with a little bit of the Ghost in the Shell soundtrack. This is track one, titled Making of Cyborg. This is from composer Kinji Kawaii. Enjoy. Ah!